Welcome back to the Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of the Wise Man's Fear and then talk about it. This is page 339. The innkeeper rubbed his chin, nodding slowly. I think I heard that one too, he said. But it was a long time ago, and I can't say as I remember all the details. Ah, well, old Cobb said as he drank the last of his beer and knocked down his mug. Nothing to be ashamed of, Coat. Some folk are good at remembering and some ain't. You make a fine pie, but we all know who the storyteller is around here. Old Cobb climbed stiffly down off his stool and motioned to Graham and Jake. Come on, then. We can walk together as far as the buyer's place. I'll tell you two all about it. Now this chronicler, he's tall and pale and thin as a rail with hair as black as ink. The door of the Waystone Inn banged closed. What in God's name was that all about? Chronicler demanded. Quoth looked sideways at Chronicler. He smiled a small, sharp smile. How does it feel, he asked, knowing people out there are telling stories about you. They're not telling stories about me, Chronicler said. They're just a bunch of nonsense. Not nonsense, Quoth said, seeming a little bit offended. It might not be true, but that doesn't mean it's nonsense. He looked at Bast. I like the paper sword. Bast beamed. The king's task was a nice touch, Reshi. I don't know about the fairy blood, though. Demon blood would have been too sinister, Quoth said. He needed a twist. At least I won't have to hear him tell it, Chronicler said sullenly, prodding a bit of potato with his spoon. Quoth looked up, then chuckled darkly. You don't understand, do you? A fresh story like that on Harvest Day? They'll be at it like a child with a new toy. Old Cobb will talk about Chronicler to a dozen people while they're bucking hay and drinking water in the shade. Tonight at Shep's Wake, folk from ten towns will hear about the Lord of Stories. It will spread like a fire in a field. Chronicler looked back and forth between the two of them, his expression vaguely horrified. Why? It's a gift, Quoth said. You think I want this? Chronicler said incredulously. Fame? Not fame, Quoth said grimly. Perspective. You go rummaging around in other people's lives. You hear rumors and go digging for the painful truth. That's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. Oh, that page ends in a frustrating spot. How's that, Jordana? Because the the end of that sentence is just really fills it out nicely, but it's not on this page, and it frustrates me. We'll get to it. We'll you'll get be, to it tomorrow. You'll be tantalized for 24 hours, listeners. I can't wait. Yep. <laughs> What's that Latin phrase for when you are uh, interrupted? In flagrante delicto? <laughs> no, well, that's, that's 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 when you're interrupted in a certain state. I guess it's just coitus interruptus. We'll call this pages interruptus. Uh, <laughs> is this really what Chronicler does? I mean, prior to this, his most famous work was a treatise on a rare lizard. Uh, certainly he's done this to Quoth, but it's not like this is his MO all across the board, right? Or if it is, it's a relatively new one. It's not how we know him in the in the narrative story. That is not my understanding. My understanding is that he has done this with several other famous people. And Quoth is just the latest one. Right. We've been told, I forgot who he was talking to before this, Oren Velsiter. He spoke to Oren Velsiter before speaking to Quoth, but it's not what he was famous for in Quoth's childhood. Quoth knows him as the writer of the mating habits of the common Dracus. Anyway, I guess Quoth is feeling, I don't, I don't know. Why is Quoth doing this? Do you think? I think because... He's justifiably annoyed at the fact that Chronicler wants to know every little detail of his life. Yeah, I think what's happening here is there's a maybe 
a bit of a miscommunication between them in that Chronicler doesn't understand that what Quoth wants to share with him is is not necessarily the whole truth. It's his version of his story. Whereas what Chronicler is looking for is every little nugget. And that's not what Quoth wants to share or what he wants to show. I guess so. I would agree with that. And if I can leap off a little bit, I think that Quoth's position is that Chronicler is entitled. Quoth has never divulged his story to anybody before. Chronicler convinced him to and then chronicler has the gall to say well wait a minute you have to tell me more about this part when quoth has said no trust me it's boring you don't want to hear about it we're going to move on to the next thing and chronicler keeps bugging him about it and he goes oh okay you want to see what it's like when like people go around telling stories about you that are entirely fictitious and you can't do anything about it now you know a little bit what it's like to be me so maybe you'll cut me a little bit of slack when i want to control the narrative about my life which has been blown wildly out of proportion. That said, Quoth is also digging a bit of a hole for himself here, in a way, because he told Chronicler, oh, you can find this story all sorts of other places, which is true, but some of the places he may find that story may not be a truthful story. It might be someone, like, telling a tall tale. So, like, Quoth doesn't want that but at the same time he's saying oh chronicler you can get that somewhere else but he also doesn't want that so it's like what what does he want i think he's mad at chronicler about one thing and then he is punishing chronicler by doing something different that he's mad about the punishment is not necessarily an inverse of the crime but also Mm. the place that quoth told chronicler to go look for what happened at the trial if he really wants to know are the court records and the church records which presumably are about as factual and true an account as, as one is likely to get. Fair. But we've also heard a bunch of different ingredients of this story from people like Cobb that are floating around out there. So it's interesting that there is, this is one of the rare instances where there is a public record, but also there's a bunch of out there uh, story ingredients uh, of the type that Quoth has invented for Chronicler around this specific instance of Quoth's life. Right. And I think part of Quoth's point is that at a certain point, it doesn't matter what the truth is anymore because some people are going to believe the story no matter what. And gee, can we think of any recent real world examples of that phenomenon in the last like four years or so where a bunch of people become so enamored of a fairy tale they're telling themselves that despite all the (laughs) mounting evidence to the contrary, they, they absolutely refuse to believe it when you try to set them straight. I mean, I would point inside the story to, say, the story of Lanra or the Chandrian for that, where the truth of the of the matter doesn't matter because the story has become so prevalent. But, you know, as you say, Jeremy, that is a real world phenomenon as well. And I think this ties back into our ends and means conversation that we keep having over and over, because ultimately all that really matters is what everyone thinks because that becomes the matter of record. That becomes the truth. It doesn't matter what your intentions were, because if everyone believes that your intentions were evil, they might as well have been evil. I can hear you trying not to take the bait, so we can move on. (laughs) I'm afraid what you heard was me stifling a yawn. Not because you were boring, but because (laughs) I'm sleepy. But also, I... I do enjoy the 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 humorous irony of old Cobb saying to Quoth, like, it's all right, you can't be expected to remember everything. Everyone knows I'm the real storyteller around here. When he is obviously just, like, 
made up because Chronicler does not exist. So the fact that he said, ah, yes, I remember now, means that every story he's ever told them has just been him making up stuff out of whole cloth based on something he might have half remembered sometime. But isn't that how stories disseminate? Like, I half remember a bunch of stories from the Arabian Nights and, like, picture books that my mom read to me that I could probably reassemble into something. Like, I I could probably tell the story of the Golden Goose, uh, for example. It wouldn't be exactly the same as the one told to me, but I could I could hew it together. Uh, I could tell the story of the the third youngest son of the of the king who went to the sultan of the neighboring of the neighboring kingdom and like stole the golden apple from his orchard. You know, I remember all these little bits here and there and I could string together a story from that if I had to. And that's how these stories would have been told in a time like this before the written word was uh, so prevalent. And yes, I know that we have like a chronicler and they have the written word, but clearly people in nowhere don't get their stories from books. They get them from uh, old blowhards like old Cobb. And this is how those those fairy stories would have been told as well, like stories about Arthur and and uh, Robin Hood and, and, and the like would have been told orally. And this is how it would have happened. I have no further notes. Then let's read this note from Patrick Not Rothfuss, who writes on page 296, re-puppet. Hello, pagers. On this page, we meet Puppet and speculate on why he is allowed to have candles. What if he knows the name of fire? After quelling the fire in the fishery, Kilvin says there may be one or two others besides Elodin at the university who know the name of fire. I like the idea that the candles are a Chandrian alarm, but I do not think that would be good enough for Lauren. It could also just be that Puppet has been in the archives for longer than Lauren has been master archivist, and he simply respects his predecessor's arrangement. Let me know what you think. Thanks as always, Patrick Not Rothfuss. So wait, the logic here being that he's allowed to have candles because he knows the name of fire and could stop a fire should it spread. Yeah, uh, that's the theory. Like, yeah, okay, fine, maybe. I don't, I don't see why not. I think it's more likely that uh, Puppet is an interdimensional being being controlled by the Kithea. Do you really think that's more likely? Why is he called Puppet? No, I don't think that's more likely, but uh, I just want to remind everybody because that was such a great theory. <sighs> or at least that he's like the anti-Kithea. I mean, I like the idea of him being connected to the Kithea. If it turns out to be true, I'll be happy for it. Honestly, the idea I like most from this letter is that Lauren just, you know, is honoring the arrangement that the previous archivist made with Puppet. It seems like the simple. It's such a happy accident that we all have such different perspectives on theory crafting. What a great uh, arrangement. What a great dichotomy for our show. I can't tell if you're being facetious or not. No, he's not. I'm not. It, okay. It's 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 truly a blessing because like if we were all like crazy theory mongers, it would totally spin out of control. And if we were all like stoic realists like Jeremy, we would have a very boring podcast. So it, it works really well. <laughs> and this way, uh, much like Pokemon, all the listeners can pick a favorite. And if we all sat on the fence, no one would ever express an opinion about anything. Hey, I don't always sit on the fence. Also, I are, I would argue that sitting on the fence is its own it's its own kind of opinion. Right, but you like never come down, or you rarely come down on one side or the other. You're like, well, these could both be true. Yeah, because they could. I don't see what's wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything <laughs> wrong with it. You're the third vertex of our triangle here. Fine, reasonable. Yeah, you're the we have food at home. <laughs> we have food at home. Yeah. <laughs>
because we have food at home. Yes, Nick is McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. I'm ordering a single black coffee and driving away. (laughs) It's so clear, too. Like, it's like... There is no question who is which corner of that triangle. Mm. It's just so obvious. It has never <laughs> been thus. And it will ever be. Listeners, you can place yourselves within those vertices on tomorrow's episode of Page of the Wind. Wind.